Good morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to the book of 1 Kings. If you uh, have been here uh, recently, I know I was not here last Sunday. I was at uh, the Blooming Grove Church. Um, several weeks ago, I started preaching on uh, taking a stand, and we were using uh, the prophet Elijah to look at uh, some things about taking a stand. And specifically, um, as we are, if, and if you haven't heard those sermons, maybe go back to the, to the podcast, the website, and, and listen to those because you're kind of picking up in the middle of something here. But Elijah is one of the prophets uh, that, in my opinion, took one of the greatest stands for the Lord that, um, uh, of the people in the Bible. There were many great stands. He's the one that, that stood out in my mind. Uh, and what I've tried to do is to go back to the very beginning of what we read about in Elijah's ministry and look at how the Lord dealt with him, how he uh, prepared him, uh, some of the lessons that Elijah learned uh, in his ministry that all, in my, in, in my way of thinking, were tools that Elijah was able to put in his tool bag so when it came time to take a stand or when it came time to deal with the aftermath of taking a stand, he would be able to go back into that toolbox and pull out some things that would help him through that because that can be a very fearful thing for us to do is to have to take a stand for the Lord. And I made the point that the way our society is going, that uh, we are uh, uh, rapidly approaching situations where God's people are going to have to take a stand, where we cannot sit on the fence any longer because if we don't stand up for the truths of the Bible, who's going to do it? And so some of the things that we looked at about Elijah, uh, you know, one of the first things I pointed out was Elijah uh, tells King Ahab, who he's dealing with here, is that he has spent his time standing before the Lord. He, you know, Elijah says, look, I stand before the Lord. His presence is where I stand. He is my commander in chief. Uh, I am his servant, uh, faithful and obedient. And what he tells me to do, that's what I'm going to do. So it is no big deal to me to stand before a wicked king and tell you that this is what the Lord says, even though Ahab cared nothing about the Lord. Um, and when I think about that, we talked about, uh, you know, the different people in the Bible that have done that, Esther and Moses. And there's, there's I mean, there's one after another after another that did that. Uh, and it's important that you, if you're going to take a stand for God and for the truths of the Bible, uh, if you're going to stand before the kings of this world, you have got to live a life standing before the Lord on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, I thought about um, when I was thinking about that, as I was just kind of reviewing in my mind, I thought about, if you remember the three Hebrew boys, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you remember there came a time where they stood before King Nebuchadnezzar and he said, hey, we're going to play all this music. And as soon as we play this music, you guys, everybody here has got to bow down and worship this golden statue of myself. And if you don't, we're going to throw you into the fiery furnace and burn you. And so uh, these three Hebrew boys who had been standing daily before the presence of the Lord, if you don't understand that, go back and read the first part of Daniel. Uh, they had the courage to stand uh, before that king and say, we're not doing this. We're taking a stand. And what I thought about that was, how many people do you think bowed down to that statue that really knew, I don't want to be doing this. This is not something that, that, that I, I, don't, I don't really worship Nebuchadnezzar. But how many people do you think didn't have the courage to do what those boys did because they had spent their whole life doing something else other than serving the Lord? So that's something to think about. We also learn from Elijah that as God sends him out into the wilderness to hide from Ahab, we also learn that God is able to hide and provide for his people. We learn that God is able to raise up 
people to support you, to sustain you and from the most unlikely places. Because what, what do we all fear sometimes is the fear of being alone. That's why we don't take more stands than we take because we dread being the person to stand up in front of everybody else and say, I am not going to do this. Y'all can do it if you want to. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to take a stand for the Lord. You know, public speaking is one of the greatest fears that, that mankind has. But it's even worse when you're standing up in front of people, in front of a crowd saying, I'm not going to do what you're doing. What you're doing is wrong and I'm not going there. That's even more feel, fearful. So we are afraid of standing alone. So the Lord says, listen, Elijah, one of the tools I need you to put in your tool bag that you're going to need later is that I am able to go before you. I am able to command the ravens to support you and sustain you. You are not alone. You just don't necessarily know who's going to show up to be on your side. Mm -hmm. We also learned that when we take a stand, that stand does not come without difficulty. Because Elijah is in the wilderness. He's hidden from Ahab because uh, Ahab is angry with him because he blames Elijah for the drought that they're in. He's hiding from Ahab and he's sitting there and he's eating. The, the Bible says that the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening. And there's this beautiful little brook that he gets to drink at during the time of a drought. That's a pretty good deal. But the Bible tells us that all of a sudden the brook dries up. One of the tools that, that Elijah needs to put in his tool bag is this does not mean that your stand will not come without difficulty. But that segues into what I want to talk to you about today. And we find this in uh, 1 Kings, the 17th chapter. And I'm going to read verse 8 through verse 24. It's a good bit of reading, but I'll try to read fast. The very last verse we read last time was that the brook dried up. And we're transitioning into this. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephtah, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephtah. When he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal and a barrel and a little oil and a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. I want to pause there for just a second before I read the rest of this. Now, here we have a situation where Elijah is going to learn something to put in his tool bag, but he's going to learn it through the widow's experience. Now, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of this widow woman. Apparently, this drought is so severe that people are beginning to starve to death because that's where this woman is. And as Elijah, as Elijah gets the commandment from the Lord, he says, Elijah, 
Have I not proven to you that I can hide you, that I can provide for you, and that I can raise up support and sustainers for you in very unlikely ways? Don't forget, Elijah, I commanded the ravens. That means at some point in time, in some way that I don't fully understand, the Lord spoke to birds and commanded them to go do something for him to sustain Elijah. Elijah, do you remember that? Yes, sir, I remember that. Do you remember how I supplied the brook for you? Yes, I remember that. Do you remember how the brook dried up? Yes, I remember that. I'm going to continue to show you something here. One, I'm going to continue to show you that I have gone before you once again. It is not ravens that I've commanded this time. It is a widow. Because the Bible says, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Now, it was probably a little easier to go from the dried up brook into the land of Zarepta because he had gone from the palace of Ahab into the wilderness. What he learned from the palace of Ahab to the wilderness is that God can go before me and command things to sustain me and support me in a time where I have none. I said, all right, Lord, I've seen you do it already. I trust you to take me from the brook here into a land uh, of Zarepta where you, there's a widow woman that you've whispered to her through your spirit in some way we don't fully understand to expect me and to sustain me. And it says, so he arose and he went. And he says, when he gets to the city, there's a widow woman there. Number one, she's already gone through the heartache of losing her husband. Don't forget that. She's dealt with that heartache before. She's in the middle of a terrible drought. She is to the point she is going to gather sticks to provide, by her own admission, her very last meal. Now look, I love my kids. And as a parent, you got to be careful sometimes to not let your imagination run away with you of what would I do in certain situations. I don't ever want to find myself in a situation where I am bringing the last morsel I have to sustain my family, and then I know after this I'm going to watch them die. I don't want to have to do that. But that's where this lady is. She's going to get the very last thing. And here's what I want you to get. Here's where I'm going with this. The Lord comes to a woman who's lost her husband, who has just enough for one more meal and they are facing impending doom and death is a certainty and tells her, I need you to sustain somebody else. What would, what would the widow say? I'm the one that needs sustaining. Lord, have you not seen my plight here? I'm, I'm a widow. I've got a child. I've been raising it by myself and I have just enough to get through one more meal. We're fixing to go eat pizza in there. What if you knew that was it? And then you were going to starve to death. I would have said if I would have been the widow, Lord, I think you've got this backwards. I think you've got this backwards. I don't need to sustain. I need to be sustained. And all the time I bet the Lord's like, I know. I want you to think about that. From the widow's perspective, it's a lot different than the Lord's perspective. You see, we don't have a record here of the Lord telling Elijah, I need you to go sustain her. But what did the Lord do? The Lord knew all along, I know your plight. I know your suffering. 
I know that you are sad. I know that you're terrified. I know that you are certain in your mind. You have thought of every way possible to continue to survive and you have come up with nothing but to go gather some sticks and make one more morsel of bread. I know that you're hopeless. I know that you're afraid. I know that you need sustaining. And trust me, what I'm sending for you to sustain is actually going to sustain you in ways that have not crossed your mind yet. I need you to be faithful. I need you to be obedient. And trust me that I know how to deliver my people in a time of famine. That's from the widow's perspective. Now, what Elijah's going to do is he's probably going to take something he learns from the widow and he's going to put it in that tool bag. Now, Elijah has learned from this encounter with this widow here that once again, God has a way of sustaining his people. The primary lesson I want us to get from this is that what Elijah has learned is that while one person may think they are sustaining another, in reality, we are all connected. I don't want you to miss that. And the actions of the widow most certainly sustained Elijah. But the actions and faithfulness of Elijah also sustained the widow. Now, you may find yourself one day standing up in front of a lot of people taking a stand for something that nobody else is going to take a stand for. Because don't forget, the train that Elijah is on is headed there. He doesn't know it, but God knows it. God knows that, all right, Elijah, you, you, know, all right, you faced Ahab. He got a little mad at you. I put you in the wilderness. Okay, I provided for you. You're going into a land that does not have an abundance anymore, and you're going to go in there, and I'm going to prove to you once again that I can support you and provide for you. Elijah has no idea at this point that he will stand before Ahab and 850 prophets, and he will stand there alone. Elijah doesn't know that's coming, but we know it and God knew it. Don't you think these situations that Elijah finds himself in are all there to prepare him for what he's about to face? Now, you'll find this and I'll give you, you know, this is no secret. Read your Bible. It's in there. Elijah is going to face all of those people in the next coming weeks. We're going to look at that. Elijah is convinced that he's alone. He's convinced. He says it not once, but a bunch of times. He tells the Lord, I'm alone, I'm alone, I'm alone. They want to kill me. I stood there in front of Ahab and 850 prophets and who knows how many thousands more. And it's just me, poor pitiful me, I'm all alone. But what Elijah will find out later is that God tells him, you are not alone. I have got 7,000 people. And I stood before, oh Lord, I stood before 850 prophets of Baal. What is 850 compared to 7,000? I've got 7,000 people that have not bowed a knee to Baal. Now let me tell you this. What do you think those 7,000 people thought when they heard what Elijah had done? Do you think those 7,000 people had fears? Absolutely. 
Do you think they were nervous and scared of what could happen? Absolutely. Do you think they were suffering and through a drought? Absolutely. But what happened when the word came to them? Did you hear about the encounter with Elijah and Ahab and all the prophets and the altars and the fire and the water? Did you hear about all of that? Do you think that strengthened them? Do you think that Elijah's obedience strengthened those 7,000 people? You better believe it. But Elijah didn't know that. He didn't know that there were 7,000 out there. He didn't know that the word was going to get to them and they were going to probably be strengthened and raised up. He didn't know any of that. But he ought to have been able to go in that tool bag and look and say, you know what? I realize that one person's faithfulness and obedience not only can sustain another, theirs can sustain me. You see, we're connected. When you find yourself having to take a stand, you need to remember that there are other people out there that will be directly affected in a positive way by your faithfulness and your obedience. You just won't see it at the time, but you might see it later. Now, Elijah's getting a lot of good tools for when not only, again, not only when that encounter with Ahab and the prophets come, but when the suicidal thoughts come after that, when the fear for his life comes after that, you're going to see him bring things much, much greater than ravens. You're going to see him bring things much greater than a widow to Elijah. Now, you remember the brook dried up? I, I remember when I started dental school, uh, we had this old military, uh, uh, retired military man. He was mean and he was gruff and, um, and he was one of our professors. And one of the first day he walked in and I guess he thought he was still in the military. And he was kind of barking at us a little bit. And, and if I can remember what he said, he said something to the effect of, um, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. Then I'm going to tell you. And then I'm going to tell you what I told you. And basically what he was saying is I'm fixing to repeat myself three times. And you see that in the Bible sometimes. Amen. You see the Lord continuing to remind us of the same things over and over and over because we're prone to forget. Elijah may have already forgotten about the brook. That in the midst of a great stand, there might, become, there might come difficulty. Can you imagine the widow? No, all right, day one. Hey, I've got just a little bit left. To, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. You, you're, you know when she said... Uh, when he goes to her and he says, hey, give me some water. You know, she didn't rebuke at that. He said, uh, he said, hey, will you fetch me? I pray thee a little water vessel that I may drink. She never complained. She never argued. She said, all right, okay, okay, I'll go. But as she was going to fetch it, he called on her and said, hey, while you're at it, bring me a morsel of bread in thine hand. And then she says, wait a minute. I've got just enough. I've got just enough. And my son's life is on the line. I've already lost my husband. I don't want to lose anymore. Elijah says, look, just keep doing this for me and you'll see that every day you go in there, there's more. And I don't know how that worked out. In my mind, the way I've always pictured is she opened up the pot and there's just a little bit of flour or meal right there. She scoops it clean, does what she's got to do. And the next morning she goes in there, probably, probably you know, lifts the lid off and looks and it's back. Amen. Probably not overflowing because we have to daily surrender. She scoops another. Next day, over and over and over and over and over. You think she liked Elijah? Yes. This is my friend. This is the man of God. This is who the Lord has sent to sustain me. All the while I thought I was sustaining him. Until the brook dries up in a sense that her son becomes sick and there was no breath left in him. 
And she says unto Elijah, oh, how the tables turn here. What have I to do with thee? She's saying, what have I done to you? Thou man of God, are, are thou come to me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? You're not my friend anymore. I thought you were here to sustain us in life. I thought you were here to make the meal not go away and the oil not go away. And you've come here to call my sins to remembrance and you've slayed my son. That, that Elijah didn't do that. But boy, we get twisted up when bad things happen. And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom. He carries him up into the loft. He lays him down upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord. And said, and he stretched himself upon the child three times. He cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray that let this child's soul come in to him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. The soul of the child came in unto him again, and he revived. Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber to the house and delivered him unto his mother. How do you think mama felt? She probably felt a little ashamed that she barked at Elijah, the man that had sustained me. She probably felt great relief. And the woman said to Elijah, now by this I know. That tells me she had some doubt. I know that thou art a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in thy, and the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. Now, here's what I want to leave you with. What has Elijah learned from the widow? He's learned more than I could recap to you right now. But he's taken things from the widow's perspective, the encounter with her, and he's put them in his tool bag for when he takes his great stand, he's going to need to go back and get some of those things back out of there. But this is what, when the brook dried up, he sent him and continued to sustain him. When the child died, the end relationship that he had with that mother was stronger at the end than it was in the middle. You see that? They had a good relationship as long as the mill was there and the cruise of oil was, was, was not going empty and the son was alive. But then the son dies, but his obedience and faithfulness continued on and the end of the matter, there was a stronger bond of fellowship there than there was even after the cruise of oil and the mill didn't waste away. So when you think all is lost, do not panic. Do not doubt. Those go in the tool bag. Amen. He's going to need to remember, I cannot panic. I cannot doubt when it seems like everything has turned against me. Because the Lord is faithful. And the end of the matter, which really the very end of the matter, and we'll get to this sometime way down the road, probably the very end of the matter is when he's standing there with Elisha and the Lord comes to get him. And he, was, he, he sent another man and gave him double portion of what Elijah had. Do you think Elijah looked down that toe back and said, oh yeah, sometimes when I think all is lost, the end of the matter is even greater than the beginning or the middle. I hope that's been profitable. And as you take, if you prepare yourself to take a stand, I hope you can look in the same toe bag that Elijah's looked through and get some strength from that. Please pray for Brother Tim.